Okay, great. We are live. Welcome, welcome everyone um, to our podcast. This is a podcast where we go over um, communication and we go over uh, mental health. So I'm just going to introduce myself quickly and then I'm going to throw it to my co-host who is also my dad and then he's going to um, introduce himself as well. So I am Akila Sai, the communication strategist. And what I do is I teach people how to improve their communication by focusing on the three barriers to communication, which are emotion, expectations and expertise. Emotion is your general emotional state how you may feel about a certain topic. Do you think something is taboo? Should it be private? How you feel about the person you're talking to? Expectation is simply what you think I'm going to think based on you know what you say. And then last but not least, expertise is just how well you know words. Do you know what words mean? And are you using the right words to communicate what it is you want to say? So that is my intro. I'm going to toss it over to my co-host and uh, he's going to give his intro and then we'll go ahead and get into today's show. Well, greetings. My name is Lee Muhammad, and uh, I am a mental health professional. I have been working in the mental health field for the last 18 years with a licensed clinical private practice psychologist. And uh, I'm interested, I just always have been interested in uh, what goes on in between the ears. So uh, I came to realize that a lot of problems, that's the real problem exists. It's just in between the ears. It's in our head. And so, uh, of course, I discovered some of those things for myself, and that's what attracted me uh, to uh, the mental health field because trying to find uh, different strategies to address what's going on in between my ears. So I found it helpful for me, and so I decided to uh, pursue that and to make it available to attempt to help other people. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So now that we've uh, told you all a little bit about ourselves, let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I wanted to start by asking a question. And the question that I wanted to ask is, you know, so many times people wait until they're in the middle of a crisis before they seek help. So as a mental health professional, what are your ideas on prevention? Um, Or what are your ideas around seeking someone to talk to or seeking any type of outside input on your life um, before you're in a crisis? Is that a thing? Is there a benefit in doing that? Um, Do you encourage people to do that? Well, for the 18 years that I've been involved in the mental health field, I've noticed uh, there seems to be a stigma attached to mental health psychologists and whatnot. And so people have a tendency to think that you're weak if you happen to uh, to a point where you need some assistance, you reach the limit. Um, and I think in my years, that has taught me that that's actually one of the misnomers and that's actually part of some faulty thinking. Uh, actually, mental health and mental well-being, every human being on earth has a mind. Every human being on earth, they got some activity and things going on in between their ears. So prevention, in my opinion, I've always looked at it as people should not wait until you get into a crisis or a problem because you are under the gun. You're kind of under the burden and the weight of that problem. And mm-hmm. and if that if that's how you get introduced to it, uh, the concept of mental health and assistance with your mental health, and that's, I understand that. But certainly after that, and what I've noticed is one of the best times to come to a mental health professional is when you have no challenges and no problems and you will 
spend that time freely exploring the creative side of ourselves versus wow. that my real self is put back in the back and I'm focusing on this problem that's in front of me and da da da, da and I just got to deal with this problem. And so we think that prevention is, uh, you know, that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So as best as you can prevent, you know, and if you think about it, we all do small forms of mental health and small forms of therapeutic interactions throughout the day. Okay. You see, simple as you simply talk to somebody and you feel a little better that, man, I got that off my chest. Or yes. I, was able to express, I was able to express myself and, and say what I was thinking. Well, those are slight little slivers of mental health already. So it's something that we use all the time. And I just invite people to be a little more proactive with it. Don't wait till there's a problem. Uh, be proactive and then watch your life flourish and open up because, you know, you're not burdened down trying to solve problems. You are proactively trying to create new situations in your life. Wonderful, wonderful. One of the things that came to mind as you were speaking to me is I know when I've had moments of intense stress in my life, right, where I'm in the middle of a crisis, one of the things I've noticed is that usually for me comes with a little bit of desperation, right? Because it's like, man, I'm under the gun. I don't know kind of which way to go yet. I haven't figured it out, but I feel like I'm against the clock. And a lot of times when people feel desperate, they tend to say and do things that don't really serve them. You know, you kind of like um, you ever back a wild animal into a corner and it's like they're just willing to do anything to get out of that. And so I like that you mentioned about, you know, pursuing some assistance or, you know, getting to learn more information about improving yourself and how to manage yourself better before you find yourself in that type of crisis. So I think that was something very interesting. I see why you're the communication expert, because you said that beautifully. Uh, I'm in agreement with you that uh, why not just go and learn about yourself? Because you'll you'll be learning about you, what's important to you, how you tick, how things work, how do you think? And so people, we, as similar as we all are, we mm-hmm. are all feel uniquely different. And yes. we all have our own unique fingerprints, our own thought processes, our own identities. And, you know, the ex- to explore yourself and to connect with why you're doing what you're doing and for you to understand your true motivation and, and all, um, it, it makes a world of difference because you, it's like you get centered inside yourself and you, you are congruent. So in our, in our philosophy, which is the person-centered approach we use, uh, a lot of mental health person, people, you know, they think that they're the expert and they tell you what to do. Here, take this, take two of these and call me in the morning. Or here, right. try this, try that, do that, and come back and report to me. Uh, our philosophy is not that at all. Okay. You've been with you your entire life. And you know you better than anybody else knows you. So what we do is we took the person-centered approach where you're the center, you're the master. You are your master. Okay. The only thing I bring to the equation is a keen awareness of some uh, human dynamics and, 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 yeah, the human dynamics. And so when I sit with a person and listen, talk, interact with them, I'm just 
checking and running it through the filters of the dynamics while uh, while they are of um I lost my point. Wow. That's okay. That's okay. We can kind of come back to that. One of the things that I like that you said is um, you have a person-centered approach to it. And I think that's really key because we do tend to do uh, mental health, especially, you know, in American society as, you know, I'm going to give you what it is you need to get better instead right. of it being more of a joint thing. And for me, that's really, really important because, listen, I can want you to be better, you know, and I do want you to be better. However, when you leave from the phone call with me, the video chat with me, the email with me, you got to go home with you and you're going to have to continue in that process without me. Now you can, you know, your memories of me, you can take, you know, the things you learn, you can, you know, in the back of your mind, yes, I am cheerleading you on, but I'm not there. Correct. And you still have to keep that desire burning for yourself so that you can continue to do the things that help you to get closer to your goal and help you to find, um, find an, uh, an existence of wellness, of overall well-being. So, right. And so yes. to that end, that's what the person-centered approach does, is you being the expert on you. Of We simply just assist you in self-discovery. We simply assist you in finding the answers that already exist inside of you. See, you just have to go discover them. And, you know, it's a challenge sometimes to honestly and realistically look at ourselves in the mirror. You know, that, that, that's, you know, our eyes point outward and we are in the habit of looking outward and it's easy for us to see outward. And boy, you get somebody to tell them to look inside and, and look inside and find yourself and see yourself inside. And that gets challenging for some people. So again, we're not experts in you as an individual. We just, we just, we consider ourselves maybe experts in some human processes. And then we can engage you in those processes that will help guide you towards self-discovery so that you can find your own answers. That's a person-centered approach. Great, great. So I have a question for you. Um, it may seem at first glance that communication and mental health um, aren't really complementary, or you know, someone looking at it may be like, hmm, they seem like they may be complementary, but I'm not sure exactly the connection between the two. So, from the perspective of mental health, how do you see that communication plays a role in mental health and mental well-being? Well, uh, communication is the vehicle by which you can express what's going on between ears. You see, so um, uh, that's. We have behavior and, and uh, communication. Many people think communication primarily is verbalization. And according to the studies, uh, majority of communication is nonverbal. It's your, yes, your body language, it's your facial expressions, it's your tonation, your enunciation, it's your disposition, your countenance, all of that. Because I could sit here and not say a word and still be communicating with you. And that communication happens all the time. So now we want to take words and we want to do something with um, really getting uh, in tune with what or attuned to what we're trying to say. Because, you know, have you, have you ever had thoughts in your mind and your words get jumbled and you can't get them out? 
So that's the importance of communication. Communication would be that smooth flow of ideas that come out of you, whether they're about yourself or something else. And I, I have, a, I, and I have a question for you. Yes, uh, yes. Your communication. Uh, what out of all the things in life, what made you gravitate towards communication? Well, what made me gravitate towards communication? I would have to say, truthfully, um, really, it's kind of what you alluded to. It's like what you spoke to. And that was that communication is the vehicle. And when I think of communication, communication is the way you get what's in out and the way you get what's out in. So it's the way that we relate to the world. It's the way we relate to ourselves, right? Our thoughts are our communication with ourselves. It's the way we relate to one another. And there's so much non-peace. There's so much conflict. There's so much um, disagreement in the world. And when I take a look at that, a lot of it, from my personal observation, has been that there's just not enough communication. There's not enough proper communication. We talk at each other. We talk right. over each other. We talk around each other. We talk above each other. We talk to each other, but we don't really do a lot of talking with each other. Right. And I think that that causes a lot of unnecessary conflict. And so for myself, mm. um, one thing that I've always been told is like, wow, you have a really great way of explaining things. You have a really great way of taking big concepts and breaking them down and making them like accessible. So I can kind of understand what you're saying. And it just got to the point where it's like, okay, either I'm going to do what I feel like I was here to do, or I'm going to, you know, waste my life. And because of the experiences that I've had over the last, I say maybe five years, I've decided that I don't want to waste what I feel is my gift. And I've decided that, listen, there's no better time than now. You know, I'm comfortable with my gift. I have learned how to protect and defend it, which was a part of my journey to um, accepting all of myself. Right. Because there are parts of yourself that, you know, are tender and that are soft. And you have to learn how to protect and defend them, because once yeah. they get exposed to the world, you're going to have people that are going to feel however they feel about that. And if you allow that to be too impactful. And if you place too much value in what other people are saying, then you're not going to be able to be successful in maintaining who you are. And the reality of it is, especially in communication, one of the biggest things that I see is we don't say what we want to say because we are nervous about finding out how it's going to be received. Or we're nervous that, man, if they know I really like them, they're going to try to manipulate me or they're going to try to take advantage of me. So you're not having any real conversations with the people you say you love. I mean, right. these are people that I mean, it's not like I'm telling you, you know, to have deep conversations with people on your job or, you know, that you meet in the street. But this is your family. These are your friends. These are people that are in your life voluntarily. And you're refusing to be honest and you're refusing to have open communication because you're too concerned with their expectation of you. They always okay, right. knew. Now, now so Go with ahead. that, with that, so that's the communication end. And now, because I'm listening on the mental health end. So what comes okay. to mind to me is if I can just, uh, I'm going to use some language that I, um, that I reserve using, uh, use it really okay. reserved, but I'm going to use it with you here for the sake of what we're doing. Um, okay. I would say, okay, See, we bring our person to 
the equation of any relationship or interaction. So I'm yeah. going to bring me to the equation. You're going to bring you. Yeah. And however I think and whatever pattern of thought I have and whatever style of communication or pattern of communicating I have, that's what I'm going to bring to the equation. So where I am at in a, as a person, that influences how I'm going to communicate. Yes. Let me give an example. There's a concept called, it's PCA, not only just person-centered approach, but the PCA, um, there's another in the communication realm, there's another PCA, which is you have the parent, you have the okay. child, and you have the adult. And so if you, and you have that in both people who are talking, one person here, one person here, parent, child, adult. Okay. Question. Which one is talking to each other? Have you ever seen some people, they get into a communication and they subordinate themselves and they get into yes. a child, they get into a childlike posture. And then usually the other person on the end, they probably gets into the parent. See, yes. and then you see that communication when it breaks down, you got somebody being juvenile or childlike, somebody childlike juvenile, clash, clash. What we have a, a lack of is adults who talk adult to adult. See, because when you have a parent and a child, that's that's a right. ranking authority. I'm an authority over you. You're an authority over me because I'm the parent, you're the child. So right. that's a style of communication that we take with us and we and we use it and do it in, throughout the day. So okay. you can be you can be at the store and have you ever met somebody or you interact with somebody and they talking with you and it's like, you kind of get the sense like, gee, uh, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> uh, I, uh, you ain't my dad. <laughs> you're not my parent. So why are you trying to put me in the child? See? Okay. So, so all these dynamics are going on back and forth while we're attempting to communicate. Mm. And it's the mental health portion that influences how that communication goes. What are you bringing? So that's why I said, if you proactively go and pursue mental health, meaning that, listen, I recognize that I'm kind of half crazy, you know, if I can say that. No, no. <laughs> uh, and that's one of the things that attracted me to the mental health because I wanted to, I wanted to rein in the wildness that was going on in between my ears. Okay. And it can be reined in because knowledge truly is power. It really is. And when you know better or different, you certainly can do better or do different. And so that's part of the challenge is just teaching different strategies. This is what you do. You, you teach strategies on how to communicate effectively. You hear people like say, man, I ain't never, I ain't never did so and so, so, so. Well, that's actually a false, uh, a misuse of a false misuse of of allness. Or I, oh. I, I always do that. I always do that. No, you don't always do it. But see how we communicate. So we're not yeah. communicating accurately because I always do it. Well, what about the times that you don't do it? Well, I, I wasn't talking about then. Well, then why did you say you always do it? You feel right? That communication, yes. generalization. Right. And so, so part of it is you got to stop with all the communication and stop and do some self-reflection, some introspection and look at, well, what do you really mean? I don't mean that you all, you always do that. You're, I'm tired of you. You always do that. 
No, Terrible. I don't. I only do that occasionally. You see? But how come you can't see it? And what's going on with you that you perceive it is all the time? You and then one thing too is you need to adjust. I think when we're as far as from the communication standpoint, I don't think we realize how antagonistic that is. When someone tells you you always, you never, yeah. like right. that is what I call a false statement. Yes. That means that yes. you're laying all of the blame for everything that went wrong all right. on me. Well, <laughs> even if that's correct, right? Because I probably right. showed you some of it. When you start with a false statement, people stop listening. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. So you don't talk to people in a way where you're completely laying the blame on them. You don't talk to people in a way where it's very general. You always this. You are like, no one wants to hear that. So just quickly to kind of tie that up. Uh, I know you mentioned a lot about being uh, person centered. Is that correct? Person centered. Yes, yes, so for me and ASCA, which is the Aquila Side Communication Academy um, that I'm the founder of, we say that we are solution centered. And what that means is when you're communicating, you should be communicating in a way that you are going to solve the problem or that you're going to meet your goal. You can't say things that are going to get in the way of your own goal. If you want to impact my behavior, if you want me to agree with you, you shouldn't do things that's going to make me disagreeable, i.e. false statements. You always, you never. Okay, well, I'm done listening. You might be right. I'm probably really wrong. However, the way that you approached me and the language that you use, like you said, communication is I believe they say 93% nonverbal and 7% verbal. So yeah. yes, you know, that may not seem like a big chunk that you always or that you never, but the spirit behind that, the thinking behind that, the thoughts behind that, like that is turning me totally off. So we just have, I want people to be um, mindful of what their goal in communication is. And I want them to be mindful of how their words either get them closer to that goal or bring them further away from that goal. Exactly. So I want to throw that in there. Yes. And so when I listened to you say that, it made me think about uh, how does change occur in human beings? Okay. And the strategy that a lot of people use to include society. <laughs> I had them told. I got them told. <laughs> Now you better straighten out that, that, that. Terrible. Like you said, the moment you start, defenses go up. I ain't have right. hearing what you're saying because I'm trying to protect myself. You exactly. Feel me? And then you got these other things about, well, you know, I'm waiting for a break in what you're saying because I'm really just trying to formulate what I'm going to say when you stop talking. Talk about forming responses while someone is talking so you stop listening. So you exactly. wonder why your conversations aren't flowing is because you stopped listening two minutes ago because you exactly. heard something and say, okay, when I get a break, I'm going to say this. And you right. didn't listen to anything else that was said. And that's exactly um, what happened. And that's why this thing called active listening Yes. Listen to what a person. I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna. Here's the. Here's 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 uh, a mental health something that we use. Some okay. a person can't hear you because I have so, a person has so much noise going on. They got their own internal noise. Yes. And so what we want to do is we want to investigate. You search yourself and to find out can we do something to turn down the volume. Of okay. this self-talk, of this internal noise, because you're so busy in your mind, it it doesn't allow you to be available to receive what someone else says. So, 
we we put you through some strategies to help you uh, look at yourself. See, this is the whole thing. Mental health is about you looking at you because guess one thing I can't do? I cannot read your mind. I don't know what's going on. I'm keenly aware of what's going on up inside mine, you see? And yeah. so, uh, uh, so it's not about external externalization. It's, it's an internal something. So we have faulty communication patterns like we mentioned earlier. We have all these dynamics that are going on when people are attempting to communicate uh, and you know you can get to it uh, if you can quiet the noise and then you actively listen. See, here's, here's our, what goes with our philosophy of the person-centered approach. We believe this. We believe truly that your answers are really in you. And but you're in a set of circumstances and a condition that does not facilitate you discovering that. Let me say that another kind of way. Um, you, you of, you are your person-centered approach. You have to. Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. That's okay. Take your time. Take your time. How I understand that is, you know, like you said, with noise. So I think about if somebody, let's say you, you're outside yourself, right? And you're trying to give yourself some instructions in order that you can make it to wherever you're trying to go, but you're in a concert. So I'm at a concert and I'm trying to hear me tell me instructions to guide me. However, I'm in a concert, so there's music playing, there are other people enjoying the music and having side conversations. You know, maybe an announcement comes over the speaker. So that's how I understand, uh, understood what you said that, you know, there are- yeah, the internal the noise. Right, you have the, and you, and you have to turn all of that down because the concert is in your head. It's not, everybody's not at the concert. This is a right, concert right. only in your head, but until you can turn some of that down, you won't be able to hear yourself guide yourself. Let's say you're trying to get to the exit or something. You know, you can't find your way to the bathroom. You can't find your way to the exit because you can't hear the conversation that you're trying to have with yourself because there's so much other noise that really in that moment isn't really um, important. It's not it shouldn't be maybe prioritized. Maybe you could turn that down for a moment um, so that you could hear what's what's most important in that moment. Particularly if you're trying to connect with another person. And, right. and uh, you know, like I was trying to say earlier, I keep forgetting my thoughts, but uh, trying to say earlier uh, about change, how does change occur in the human being? You know, it's not the negative, it's actually through positive reinforcement. Okay. So it, you, 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 you highlight the positive. Okay. And you encourage the person positive and they're positive. And they, when they begin to believe a little differently about themselves, when they begin to see a little differently about themselves, because see, the world has beat most people down. Absolutely. Everybody knows how to deal with aggression, anger, frustration, mistreatment, abuse. I don't mean, I, I, I misspoke when I said everybody knows how to deal with that. Okay. What I mean is that that's a very familiar something with a lot yes. of people. But what happens is people are not used to you being nice to them. At They're not all. used to you being 
supportive, genuinely, and this is what I was trying to get at earlier, of the tenants of PCA. In order for PCA to work, okay. we have to bring three things to the equation. We have to have genuineness and authenticity. Okay. Because if I'm genuine and authentic with you, then that the nonverbals, we link up on the nonverbals because okay. everybody has a fake meter. You know, well, you can tell when somebody kind of, they front. Everybody got that. So when you bring genuineness and authenticity to the equation, that's one of the core conditions. There's two more. The okay. second one, and this is the most difficult one, it's unconditional positive regard. What we mean by unconditional positive regard is that listen, I'm not I'm not your judge. Okay. I, I'm judge you for, I don't need to judge you. So I'm going to unconditionally give you positive regard. Okay. So, so as an example, sometimes you could be sitting with somebody and and uh and they will share with you some of the things that they did in their past that are that they think are very ugly and all of the above. I don't judge it whether that's, that's right. You know, we all have done some things, you know, and I'm here to support you unconditionally with positive regard. And the other third and the final component or core condition is empathy. You got to have empathy. And we are defining empathy as my ability to walk in your shoes, my ability to relate with you not sympathize with you, to empathize. Can I feel what you're feeling? Not can I feel what you're saying as I feel it? Can I feel what you felt as you were feeling it? Can I lend myself to you so that I can experience what you've been experiencing so I can feel what you felt? And then come back. So when I have the of genuineness and authenticity, unconditional positive regard and empathy, those are the core conditions. When you create those conditions with a person, then you have the right conditions for what we call the magic to happen and to take place, which is communication and connectivity. Okay. You can have that happen. Uh, um, uh, I'm losing my thought. We are not going to use that. We're, we're at the end of our time. So I think uh, it's best that we put a piece in right here. I love what you said that um, that's when the magic happens because in communication, um, that is very key. There does have to be empathy. There's a difference between empathy and sympathy. There does have to be that unconditional positive regard. You can't really judge what you hear. You have to use that information to say, okay, I'm more informed about the person that I'm dealing with. And then from there, you can decide, okay, I either want to spend more time with this person or less time with this person. Of course, that's not in a professional setting. That's in a, you know, when you have a relationship, family, friend, etc. So uh, we are going to kind of put a pin in this and then right, come can back. Can I make one more comment? Can I make Go one ahead. more comment? Uh, I wanted, uh, when you uh, said about, uh, oh God, I don't forgot it. We don't that's okay. That's even more. That's even more reason for us to go ahead and cut it for today. We it's just save it uh, for our next episode. So okay. thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate you. This is just our first episode. We're um we're gonna it's learn how to teach out. Yeah. So and that's okay. Listen, the reality of it is we're human beings. So I'm not gonna be flawless, but I'm gonna be perfect. And what I mean by that is one of the definitions of perfect is having the required characteristics to do a thing. 
at the end of the day, with all of your years of experience, right? And then all of the knowledge that I'm bringing to this, the good energy that we're bringing to this, the desire to be impactful in a positive way, the desire to help make the world just a little bit better than it was when we found it. All of that is perfect. All of that is necessary in order for us to be successful. So over time, we'll get all of the flaws out and we'll, we'll make it a smooth experience for everyone. But I don't want to get long-winded and do another 15 minutes. So I want to thank everyone for joining in. Um, you can reach me at info at .com. That's info at akilasai.com, A-K-I-L-A-H-S-A-I.com. Um, with any questions that you have, any feedback you have, any topics that you would like to see discussed on the program. Um, additionally, you can follow me on Instagram at akilasai. And you can also follow me on Facebook at akilasai. Um Lee, I feel so weird calling you Lee. I'm not going to call you Lee. Lee is my dad, y'all. So I am not going to sit up here yeah, and call him So you can reach my dad at <laughs> Lee Muhammad 19. They probably recognize and say, damn, they, they look alike. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but look, so we are going to, I'm going to give your email address. It's lmmccc19 at gmail.com. That's lmm ccc19 at gmail.com. So if you have any mental health um, questions or topics that you would like discuss, to see discussed on the program, you can go ahead and email him. And for any communication things, you can email me. So um, be on the lookout for our wanna, And I just want to oh. add that the, the, uh, that stands for Lee Muhammad at the Multicultural Counseling and Consulting Center. That's the MCC. Okay. So it's Perfect. So it's L M my initials and the M C C C for multicultural counseling and consultancy at gmail okay. at gmail.com. So thank you so much again, everyone, for listening. I enjoyed you, of course, Dad. I enjoyed having this conversation with you. And I'm really learning a lot about mental health because I don't know, you know, the professional side of you. You know, I know the dad side. And so I'm yes. sure we're both learning new things about each other. So that is it for I love our it. show. I love it. And the magic is happening here. And I'm loving it. It is. I can feel the chemistry and hopefully the yes. listeners can feel it as well. So that's it. We're going to go ahead and sign off. Peace, y'all, until the next episode.